Hey, it's my privilege to introduce our guest speaker here this morning, Brett McCracken. And I believe that today and in this message will have significance for each of our journeys with Jesus. So, so buckle up. Uh, Brett is from originally from the Midwest. Uh, he went to college at Wheaton, came out here to California to get his master's in film at UCLA. Go Bruins, okay? Uh, and then made his way over to Biola, where he worked faithfully serving at Biola. He met his wife, Kira, at Biola, which was a major win, and she now works at Biola uh, as well. Uh, Brett and Kira moved to Santa Ana about, I think about six or seven years ago, and my family had the privilege of now we live on the same block as the McCracken, so we've gotten to watch them up close live out their faith, and they are the real deal. They have two little boys, the cutest little boys in Park Santiago. We have Chet and Ira are their sons as they raise them. And Brett, a couple years ago, transitioned to work with uh, Gospel Coalition, which is an incredible website, blog, ministry resource that I'd love to even introduce you to today, Gospel Coalition. He's a senior editor for them. He's also an elder pastor at Southlands Church in Brea, but they just planted a church here in Santa Ana, and we need more churches here in this city. And so I just want to say, Brett, on behalf of Calvary Church, welcome to, welcome to Santa Ana Southlands Church. We're so grateful to have this church plant here. It's wonderful. Brett is a gifted writer. He's written books like Hipster Christianity, Gray Matters, Uncomfortable, and really what today's message is based off, off of the wisdom pyramid. And I don't know if you've ever come across authors or people in your life where you feel like when you read their material, you're just underlining and highlighting everything. And then you look at your page and you're like, I think I just highlighted that entire page. That is Brett for me. He is a tremendous, gifted author and a great resource to the church. So I'm going to pray for him and then let's go. Father, I just thank you for, for Brett, for Kira, for their sweet family. Thank you, God, for the way they ministered to the Big C Church. And thank you, God, for even now that they're here in Santa Ana, um, building disciples. And thank you, Lord, that today we get to hear this message that we so desperately need. Spirit speak. Amen. Thanks so much. Thanks, Matt. Um, Thank you guys, it's great to be here this morning. Um, I bring greetings from Southland Santa Ana. We are literally a stone's throw from here. We meet at Olive Crest down the street. And so we're a, a tiny little baby church just getting started. Um, so you guys are kind of like a, a, a bigger brother, bigger sister in the body of Christ. So we love you and it's great uh, to be able to hopefully bless you today. Uh, just wanted to say thank you to the Doan family. They are the real deal, um, you guys know. They are awesome. When we moved into Park Santiago, we knew that they lived there, and it was just so cool that we had these good friends just five, six houses down. They're kind of the people that we go to when we need an egg, you know, or some sort of baking thing. Um, and also, when we had our, our newest son, Ira, who was born last summer, um, you kind of have to have that person you can call in the middle of the night to come over and watch your other kids, and Chet, our older boy. So the Dones were those people. You were on our, our kind of call list were we needing to call you in the middle of the night? And we didn't have to end up doing that, but it's good to have friends who you can call. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna talk about wisdom today, the way of wisdom in the information age. The information age may be kind of an outdated term, 
but it, that was kind of the terminology in the early days of the internet to describe what the internet is. And so I'm gonna kind of do a little retro look back to the early days of the internet briefly. Um, most of you probably can remember life before the internet. Um, some of you in this room probably can't though. If you're Gen Z, uh, you probably have a real hard time remembering what life was like before the internet because your whole life was, has been lived in the internet era. Um, I'm kind of in the middle. I, I, I'm a millennial. I'm a, an aging millennial. I call myself a geriatric millennial. Um, that's actually a term that's being used right now, geriatric millennials. People who, like myself, were born in the early 80s. I'm almost 40, yet I'm a millennial, right? Millennials aren't the young people these days. Um, the Gen Z is. So I remember life before the internet, um, but sometimes I have a hard time remembering like specific things and how we did them. Like the other day I was, I was racking my brain going down this rabbit trail of like maps. Like how did we do maps? Like how did we figure out like how to get places before like Google Maps and like online maps and phone apps? I was really trying to remember like did we, did everyone have like an atlas in their car? Like you just kind of physically like looked at maps of your city? Um, did we like print out directions? I actually, in the process of thinking through this, it did jog my memory that in kind of the transition to the internet era, I, was, I would print out like uh, maps from like mapquest.com. Does anyone remember that? And that's how I got from place to place. Um, so yeah, that was just one of many things where I'm like, how did we do things before the, the internet era? Um, speaking of maps, one of the kind of early metaphors for the internet was something called the information superhighway. Who remembers that? The information superhighway. It was kind of a term that was used in the 90s. Uh, actually, Al Gore was the guy who popularized it. He was kind of advocating for this thing called the information superhighway. And essentially, it was this like utopian, like Jetsons era. Like, it was hard to remember, like, back before the internet, like we really didn't have any concept of what it was gonna be. The information superhighway was the kind of early metaphor to help people understand what the internet ended up becoming, which was this like interconnected digital system of roads that connected your home to your office, to various activities, buying things, ordering things. We take all that for granted now, but you know, 30 years ago, it was hard to conceive of what that was gonna be. So the information superhighway was the metaphor that was given. And I'm gonna kind of compare that metaphor a little bit today with a metaphor of roads and like the path of wisdom, which is a metaphor the Bible uses a lot to talk about wisdom. As much as the information superhighway was kind of like this utopian idea in the early days of the internet, like 25 years into the internet era, I don't know that we would use the word utopia to describe it, right? <laughs> it's kind of maybe a dystopia in some regards. Certainly there's a lot of like efficient, wonderful things about the digital age, like one-click shopping is nice, not gonna lie, like that's a good thing. There's a lot of efficient uh, things that have made, made life simpler, but um, as a whole, I think the internet era, the information age, is proving to be something less than utopia. It's actually making us, I think, more foolish as we get more information at our fingertips. We have the world of information at our fingertips. It's, everything is just one Google away. I don't know that that's making us uh, wiser. So the first line of my book is actually, the world has more and more information, but less and less wisdom. 
So today I want to talk about this. How do we how do we kind of follow the path of wisdom in this information superhighway like web of roads and pathways that can take us in so many different directions? Throughout the book of, of Proverbs, wisdom is described this way as a path, right? Kind of stay on the right path. Don't veer to the left or the right. Don't listen to those voices calling out to you from the sides, uh, Lady Folly and Lady Wisdom. So Lady Folly is always described as that, that woman kind of calling out to you, like, come off the path, like, come over to my house, listen to what I have. That's kind of like the algorithms of today, right? Click on this, watch this, come over to this corner of the web. It's all trying to get us off of the path of wisdom. I think part of why I, I am passionate about this topic and wrote this book is because I've seen in my own life as someone who is kind of working in the internet space, I'm on the internet for my job all the time, I've seen how easy it is to be lured off of the path, to kind of get kind of distracted by this thing calling out to me and then one thing leads to the next and you're kind of on this like meandering path. The internet is a place of meandering diversion. It's a place of meandering, kind of aimless wandering, not meaningful purposeful destination. And that's why it's so prob problematic, I believe. Can I get an amen? Yep, we all know this, right? So this is really why I wrote the book, The Wisdom Pyramid, and I wanna just kind of explore today the simple question, how do we stay on the path of wisdom in the web of information that bombards us today? What does the way of wisdom look like? So Proverbs is a good place to look in the Bible to kind of, uh, get a sense for what wisdom looks like. So let's read Proverbs 4, 20 to 27. So if you have your Bibles, um, you can pull them out, and I'm just going to read this whole section, uh, Proverbs 4, 20 to 27. I think there's some insights in this passage. There's insights all over the book of Proverbs, so this is just one representative chunk. But uh, this one, there's some interesting stuff in here that I want to uh, tease out today. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them in your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all of your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. So there's three points I wanna to make today about the way of wisdom. And the first one is this, the way of wisdom is holistic. One of the interesting things about this passage and just the language in this passage is how much it invokes all of our senses and our whole bodies. And this is really true of the whole book of Proverbs. If you read it, you, you'll start to notice how many times it talks about your ears and your eyes and your heart and your feet. It's this, this idea that like wisdom is not just a cerebral thing. We don't become wise or foolish just because of our brains. It's this whole-bodied experience. We are not created by God to be brains on sticks. We are created as full-bodied creatures with multiple senses that take in the world in multiple ways. 
So just see how this shows up in this passage. In verse 20, turn your ear to my words. So pay attention to what you listen to. Verse 25, fix your eyes straight ahead. So pay attention to what you're looking at. That's an important one in today's world. Verse 23, guard your heart. So I think this is speaking to kind of emotions and your loves. Like, be careful what is grabbing your heart. Where are you loving? Where are your desires being directed? Verse 24, keep corrupt talk from your lips, right? Be mindful of what you say, your speech. Verse 27, keep your foot from evil. Watch where you go, whose company you keep. Watch kind of the places, the corners of the internet where you are venturing to, to apply it to the information superhighway. So everything in this passage, I think, is speaking to the fact that wisdom involves our whole selves. It's not just collecting information in our brains. It's about all the ways we are shaped as embodied creatures, all the ways that our senses take in the world. And really never has there been a moment in human history where our senses are so bombarded as they are today, right? If, if, you, if you kind of read up on the amount of like data that our, our brains and our eyes and our ears are kind of having to like sift through in the digital age, it's mind boggling. It's problematic, right? So never have we been so bombarded with things coming into our senses. And I think never have we had less discernment less wisdom to be able to properly kind of vet the, the information that is coming into us. Um, so this is why this is important, right? There's so many ways to go wrong in a world like this, where we, we, we're being bombarded with so many voices calling out to us, you know, listen to this podcast, watch this video, watch, you know, click on this article, literally all day, every day, <laughs> that's life on the internet people trying to get your attention, trying to get you to listen to my voice. So if you think about physical health, right, and, and this is where kind of we'll get into the wisdom pyramid and the parallel with the food pyramid, um, which is, was kind of the inspiration for this concept. But if you think about physical health, like it really depends on the intakes that come into you, right? Like you are physically healthy or physically sick by virtue of what you eat. Like if you eat a bad diet, you're gonna be physically sick. If you eat a healthy diet, you'll be on your way to physical health. And I think the same is true of our spiritual health. It's all about intakes. What is coming into you that is forming you, right? What's coming into your ears, your eyes, what's forming your heart. Um, our spiritual health is determined in large extent by our, our diet of intakes, right? What we, what we take in and it, it's shaping us I think in the digital age in very unhealthy directions. I think we're, we're in a very spiritually impoverished moment in our culture right now, largely because the diet of digital junk food that is becoming the staple of our, our soul's diet is so bad for us. It's, it's making us sick. We're seeing a spiritual sickness because the diets, our intakes are terrible for us. So what we need is discernment. What we need is intentionality in what constitutes our intakes, our sensory experiences of the world. So this is my second point about the way of wisdom. The way of wisdom is intentional. We must have intentionality if we are to be wise. We can't be passive. We see this idea in this passage in a few different places. Listen to the language of intentionality in verse, verses 20 to 22. 
pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear. Make an intentional turning of your ear to my words. Don't let them out of your sight. They are life to those who find them and health to one's body. I love this passage, these few verses, because it makes a direct connection between intentionality, turning your ear to my words, what you pay attention to, and your health, right? There will be health to your whole body if you do that. So here's this, this connection again, like your intakes, what you intentionally kind of lend your ears to or your eyes to should lead you to health if it's good, but it can also lead to unhealth. Our, cons- our intakes constitute our health. It's as true for spiritual health as it is for physical health. And what's at stake here, right? It's nothing less than your heart. That's what verse 23 gets at. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. That's why we have to be so careful, because as as go your intakes, so goes your heart. And as goes your heart, so goes everything else. So we have to do this to protect our hearts. Intentionality, I would say, has always been important for wisdom. That's been true of all wisdom throughout human history, but I think in today's world, it's, it's more important than ever, right? In this information superhighway web that we live in where we could go anywhere, there's any number of bad, unhealthy pathways that we could take uh, where everything is just like one bad scroll, one bad Google search to destruction, essentially. Um, we desperately need to be more intentional. With, with how we behave, our actions, where we go on the roads of the internet. Listen, this is what uh, verse 26 and 27 are getting at when it says, give careful thought, again, intentionality, give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Don't turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Give careful thought to your paths. Are we giving careful thought to our pathways in the internet experience? I don't know that we are, right? Um, When we kind of pick up our phone out of habit, which is sadly kind of the dominant way that we operate today, we wake up out of habit, we grab our phone and start scrolling. We're waiting in line at Starbucks to get our coffee out of habit for the 30 seconds of like in between time that we have, instead of just looking around at people or just being kind of alone with your thoughts, out of habit, we pick up our phone and we just start scrolling. When you're sitting at a stoplight in your car, and I I do all these things, so I'm not immune to this either. It's scary how hard it is to resist these temptations. When when I'm sitting in my car sometimes and I'm at a stoplight, and I know it's gonna be like literally 15 to 20 seconds before I have to start driving, I still like grab my phone out of habit and I'm like, okay, what did I miss? It's that kind of passive, I, like, just I'm conditioned to do this approach to the information superhighway that is so dangerous because it makes us just at the mercy of the algorithms, right? Like these social media companies have such a vested interest in our attention and getting our attention kind of hooked onto their platforms for as long as possible. So they figured us out. They figured out how to get us hooked how to get us constantly kind of wanting to pull out our phone to go on this platform or this app. Not for any reason, right? Not for any intentional purpose, just to kind of scroll from thing to thing. And I think that is so dangerous. Again, the, the, the algorithms of today, I think, are strikingly similar to the Lady Folly image in Proverbs. 
Listen to the one example of Lady Folly in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 7, 25 says, Don't let your heart turn aside to her ways. Don't stray onto her path. For she has brought many down to death. Her victims are countless. The victims of algorithms are countless in today's world. Every day, the algorithms, the kind of click this, watch this, nature of the internet is leading people to destruction, right? The, the documentary, The Social Dilemma, some of you might have seen it on Netflix, it kind of gets at this phenomenon of like how the, the internet companies like Google, Facebook, Twitter, all these companies have very deliberately kind of set themselves up to be addictive. Like they've literally hired like psychiatrists on staff to kind of figure out human psychology so that so that consumers become addicts and can't break away from their phones. It's super disturbing, right? Because then it means even if we th want to be intentional and we, we want to kind of resist, it's still hard because we've been conditioned to do this. If we're passive in the world of the information superhighway, I think it's pretty much guaranteed that we'll be taken off the path of wisdom. I see it happen every day, honestly, like as a as a leader in a, a local church trying to disciple people in the digital age, I see it all the time where someone who in theory wants to follow Jesus and wants to be discipled in the way of Jesus, in reality, they're spending a couple hours at church, but 50, 60 hours on the internet every week. So it's just a numbers game. Their heart is going to be shaped more by that than it is by this. So even if they have all the best intentions of wanting to like be discipled, become more like Jesus, they're becoming more like the echo chamber where they're spending most of their hours, right? And 2020, like, man, talk about a bad year for this dynamic because um, pastors everywhere know this. Like Matt, like Eric probably have so many stories of the, the, the perfect storm of people not in church, not, not in their Christian community as much, also online more than ever before. So if it was already a problem before the pandemic, it became even more amplified in 2020 because people were spending less time being shaped in Christian community and more time than ever being shaped by the digital environment that they were spending so much time in. And, and you can start to see why so many churches are so divided and there's so much um, angst among Christians because so many Christians are being formed more by whatever like diet, whatever kind of narrow diet of information they are consuming online and that's, it's just no match, right? How can the church compete with that formation? So what do we do? This, this has been kind of depressing so far. So I'm going to turn to, I'm going to turn to kind of a more hopeful plan for what we can do about this. And I really think the intentionality idea is key here. Like, we need to be more intentional about what to watch, where to look, you know, what, what constitutes our diet. But how do we, like, determine that? Isn't that just subjective? Like, isn't it just everyone kind of can subjectively choose what is right in their own eyes for this is a good source of information or that this is a bad source? Like, how do we constitute a diet of wisdom that is going to be healthy for everyone? 
So this is what I'm trying to do with the wisdom pyramid. This is kind of my answer, my um, suggestion for what a diet of wisdom looks like, where the only solid foundation is on God, his eternal word. Um, and so my third point is the way of wisdom is oriented around God. That's the big idea of the Bible. That's a, the big idea of Proverbs. Um, you know, every time wisdom is discussed, it's, it's about God, right? Wisdom is created by God, Proverbs 8. It's given by God, Proverbs 2, 6. It's about fearing God, Proverbs 1, 7. It's about a whole life in all your ways acknowledge God, right? Proverbs 3. So wisdom is a, an orientation of your holistic life. So we were talking about all of our senses it's an orientation around God. That is what leads to discernment. That is what leads to right judgments and kind of over, overall flourishing, where we have the ability to like filter through the glut of information and evaluate kind of the legitimacy of information and apply it in ways in our lives that bring health. We cannot be wise apart from God. He is the standard of wisdom. He is the definition of wisdom. He is the source of wisdom. It begins and ends with him. And so because of that, um, if we want to think about what constitutes a diet of wisdom, we have to think about what I call proximity to God. And so we can show the wisdom pyramid graphic on the screen now, and I'll kind of talk through this a little bit. Um, but people often ask me, like, how did you order the layers of the wisdom pyramid? And I, th my answer is simply, it's all about proximity to God. So from the bottom up, from the, the more important categories to the least, it goes from the most proximate to God to the least. And I'll talk, I'll unpack that in a minute, but um, just by way of kind of explaining this, for those who don't remember the food pyramid, um, maybe you can Google out on your phone to kind of understand what we're talking about here. I think most of us probably remember the food pyramid. The idea of the food pyramid is basically like, the food groups near the bottom of the pyramid are the ones that are most important. You should have more of that in your diet and the ones at the top. The one at the top, who remembers what it was? Fats, oils, and sweets. Yeah, the direction was use sparingly. So as you notice, what I have at the top of the wisdom pyramid is the phone, right? The internet and social media. <laughs> Part of the like reaction people have when they see this graphic is like an instant like gut check, like, oh man, we've kind of flipped it. Like functionally, most of us, myself included, like the internet and the phone are our base. It, it's what constitutes the foundation, the kind of staple of our diet. And that's what's making us crazy. That's what's making us spiritually sick. So we need to flip it. We need to have a better base. We need to build our lives on more nourishing sources of wisdom. And the more nourishing sources of wisdom are those that are more proximate to God, right? Which makes sense, because if he is in wisdom, if he is the source of wisdom, the standard of all wisdom, then it makes sense that the categories of knowledge that have more proximity to him are gonna be uh, more nourishing for us. So from the bottom up, I'll just quickly go through the categories. So the Bible, this is the foundation because it is God's direct revelation to us. It's literally the, the source of wisdom talking to us. Um, it is infallible. You can build your life upon this because it's unshakable. It's not subject to human kind of fallibility and opinions and like whatever 
And, and what a gift, right? What a gift that we have God's word um, to be able to build a solid life upon. So the Bible is God's word. The church, the second level, is God's presence among his people. It's his mission in the world. He's chosen to do mission through the church. Uh, the Holy Spirit is present here, forming us, building up the body of Christ. And the church, not only in this sense of like the physical gathered church, but also church tradition throughout time is a deep reservoir of wisdom for us. Nature is God's creation. So it, it is proximate to God because it is his work. It is his masterpiece. It's his creation. So just like, you know, you can kind of learn a little bit about Vincent Van Gogh by studying his paintings, Starry Night or whatever. Like, if we spend time in nature, we are spending time in literally the artwork of God. And what can we learn from God about that? Scripture itself tells us to do this, right? Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. Romans 1 talks about there's things that we can know about God. Even if we never kind of have, have specific revelation, pagans know things about God just by living in the world he created, the natural world. Books, okay, so now we're getting into the categories at the top where human fallibility is introduced because we're, it's a few more steps removed from God. So books can still be a, a great source of wisdom for us, and they are, and it's, I, that's why I'm recommending them here, but it's because it, it's God's image bearers, humans, pursuing truth, trying to kind of make sense of the world. But as we know, right, just because humans are God's image bearers, not everything that they write, not every pursuit of truth is, is going to be helpful. So with books and, and with every category up from here, we have to have a lot more discernment. So I, I, I recommend that Christians read widely and read all sorts of books, and we shouldn't be afraid of reading books by, you know, atheists on occasion, but we just have to have more discernment, knowing that they might get some things right, and by common grace, there might be some truth that we can glean, but every human is fallible, including myself. So there's probably things in my book, The Wisdom Pyramid, that you should, you know, push back on because I'm, you know, I'm a fallible person, and every writer, every human writer of books is. So, and that's true for beauty as well. So the second to the top category is the arts, basically, beauty. It's an important source of wisdom because it, it kind of connects to those senses, right? It's not just about a cerebral thing. To go back to my point about the way of wisdom is holistic, beauty really works on those levels. Our heart, our loves, our ears, our eyes, right? And that's an important way that um, I think God wants to communicate wisdom to us. But again, with anything in the realm of the arts, while it can be a helpful source of truth, as we know, a lot of things on Netflix, a lot of, a lot of kind of arts content is, is leading us in the direction of um, foolishness. So um, let me just say this about the wisdom pyramid and then I'll, I'll wrap up soon. Um, this is more of a general like rubric. It's not like, I'm not getting super granular <laughs> in terms of like, you need to have five to six helpings of the Bible every week and four to five helpings of church and three to six helpings of nature. Like, it's not like the, the food pyramid in that way. It's more just a visual reminder of where our, our Godward orientation should be, right? We should orient our lives around God in order to be wise, and maybe that's, it looks a little bit like this in terms of the intakes that are shaping us and that are forming our souls. 
Because again, if you, if you make the internet and social media the biggest category of intakes for you, we're seeing what happens with that, right? It is leading people off of the path of wisdom in great numbers, and it's hard to see. One of the things I say in the book is that wisdom is less about information than it is about orientation. So it's, it's, not, it's not just about kind of dialing in your exact information diet as much as it is about just having a general orientation that's more weighted towards the things that are closer to the source of wisdom, which is God. Because if we don't do that, then I think we're going to be nomads in this life. We're going to be kind of wandering in this like proverbial desert where we go wherever our hearts lead us. And that's the dominant language of our culture, right? Follow your heart. Like do what's right in your own eyes. Like look within yourself for wisdom. Every man is the measure of truth. That just leads to like billions of paths that are going in opposite directions. And we're never going to kind of be able to, we can't build a life on that, right? Only until we submit to the authority of God and his perfect compass, like that's when we can fully know the path of wisdom, right? Um, he, is, he is true north. And until we acknowledge that, until we build our lives around that absolute orientation of him as true north, then we'll be lost. Then we'll be wandering around. And man, do we see so many people in today's world who are just wandering. They're lost. They don't have a solid foundation. They don't have a solid direction. I love this A.W. Tozer quote. He says, um, as the sailor locates his position on the sea by, by shooting the sun, so we get our moral bearings by looking to God. We must begin with God. We are right when and only when we stand in a right position relative to God. And we are wrong so far and so long as we stand in any other position. So how do we stay on the path of wisdom in the world of the information superhighway when there's so many paths to get lost, so many off-ramps into bad places? We orient our lives around God. We orient our senses around God. We look to God with our eyes in the world that he made. We look at the beautiful world that he made. We look at him in worship. We listen to him. We listen to his words. We listen to his word preached and taught. And we love God with our hearts, which is something that the church helps us do. That's why the church is such an important level in the wisdom pyramid. The church is a place that shapes our loves. That's what worship does. Like the motions that we go through in worship are forming us into people who are loving in God's direction rather than loving in the Netflix direction or whatever other direction we could be loving. So a life oriented around algorithms and smartphones, looking at whatever pops into your feed, whatever enticing lady folly invitation, click on this, watch this. A life oriented around that is the path of destruction. It's the path of foolishness. But the life oriented around God, looking at him and his glory, listening to his voice that's so clear to us in scripture and loving him with our hearts, that's the path of wisdom. And so I'll leave you with this question just to, to think about in response. 
is the orientation of your life and your information diet, the intakes that constitute your diet, is it leading you on a path of wisdom, on God's kind of true north path of health and wisdom, or is it leading you on a path of foolishness? It's hard, right? It, it, it is hard to stay on the path today, and we can only do it by the power of the Spirit. So praying for wisdom, as James tells us to do, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, and he is generous to give, right? He wants to make us wise. He wants to give us wisdom. He wants us to come to him in, in pursuit of wisdom. So that's the takeaway that I want you to have today. If you want to be wise, it starts with loving God, worshiping God, and orienting your life and your intakes around that activity. Because insofar as you come closer to God's presence in his proximity, you will become more wise. I love Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, with all your heart. It's this kind of holistic language. And lean not on your own understanding. That's the most countercultural thing in today's world that tells us to look within and do trust your gut and do trust your truth. Proverbs says the exact opposite. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make what? Your path straight. He will make your path straight. In a world where paths are going every which way and we can be nomads in the desert wandering, he will make your path straight. So let's pray for him to do that in closing. God, we acknowledge, we acknowledge that we are prone to wander. We are prone to go off the path and we are guilty of saying yes to these enticements and these distractions and these diversions that take us away from you, which is where we can find wisdom. There's no better way to find wisdom than being on your path, coming close to you, and yet so often we fill our days by veering away from you and going into all these unhelpful directions. So we just ask you today to orient our lives around you. Um, give us the strength to resist the temptations that are so hard to resist, to be grabbing for our phones and scrolling aimlessly all day, every day. Like, we need your power. We need your power. Holy Spirit, empower us to resist that so that we can be wise in an age of foolishness, not for our glory, but for yours. So I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.